I have three topics that I'm going to talk about today. Does the world need farmers and farms? I'm also going to talk about our educational system and the books that they are having our children read, that they're recommending. And I'm also going to talk about the evil that is falling down from our skies on a daily basis. I'm going to talk about those three things and more on today's Truth to Ponder. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This is Jim Calhoun sitting in for Bob Bierman today. And I really do love my Wednesday appearance here on Truth to Ponder. And the main reason is it gives Bob Bierman another day to do what he needs to do as far as recuperate from his health issues he's had. Plus, he's got the physical church that he is building. He's got a lot on his plate. So I would ask for continued prayers for Bob Bierman, both for his health and also for his ministry. That would be much appreciated. And Bob has just returned from a doctor's visit, kind of a, I would call it a super checkup. They're trying to make sure that everything is fine when he had his operation earlier this year. So, so please keep Bob in your prayers. Well, I'm going to start off today's topics with a topic that Bob Bierman suggested that I do a show on, and, and that's about the farms and farmers, not only of the United States, but of the world and the hard-working people that operate these farms, and to point out a few things that you may know, but you may not know. I might refresh your memory on something that you used to know, but it kind of slipped your mind. There's farmers in everyone's family tree, and if you go back far enough, everyone in your family tree was a farmer. And although I've been a professional musician, and I've done a few other things, I have never stopped being a farmer, and in my branch of the family tree, it's farmers all the way back to the beginning of the family. And I understand family farms, I understand the lifestyle, the mindset, and I understand the challenges and the hard work, and matter of fact, after I get done recording this show, I have about 15 or 16 hours that need to be done in the hayfield, and that means bailing at night. and. Yes, it's October, I know what the calendar says, but I bit off more than I could chew, first of all. Second of all, breaking my forearm really slowed me down. But to tell you the truth, what slowed me down the most is the fields that I'm doing are basically pastures, and they're very rough, full of cow trails and different things that you don't want to drive a tractor over very fast. And so I'm going extremely slow in the field, and even though I'm going slow, I'm breaking machinery, and so I have to stop every day or two and chain something up or re-weld something or bolt something back together, and that's creeping along at about three-fourths of a mile an hour, and I probably should have told these people no, but I had no idea just how rough that field was until you go over it, and next year I might rethink doing this field, but anyway... I'm almost done haying. I've got about two weeks left to go. And then I'm going to be turning around and staring it around. I'd say 6,000 bales that I need to pick up by hand. And that's going to be quite a chore. But I did buy a loader tractor. 
and I put an attachment on it that will help me load the hay. And, and so ultimately, I'm going to be okay. But for those who are concerned, if I do get into a jam, I will be reaching out for help. But so far, if the weather holds and I keep busy, I'll get it done. Well, that's the spirit of the farmer worldwide. If something needs done, you do it. Something breaks, you fix it. Something needs to be planted, you plant it. Something needs to be cultivated, you cultivate it. Something needs to be harvested, you harvest it. Year-round. And since I have livestock, it really is a year-round job. I have to be home every day to feed my cattle and make sure they're okay and water them and make sure that they're healthy. And It is a full-time job just taking care of a herd of cows, let alone all the extra things that I'm doing. And I tell you all of this so you kind of understand the life of a farmer. If you have dairy cows, you may not realize it, but you're basically married to that herd. If you have dairy cows, you milk them twice a day, every day. You don't have a vacation. You don't take a day off. You don't take a half a day off. If the cows need milked, you milk them, and you milk them twice a day. And that's one reason why there's so many great big dairy outfits that have come in and pretty much replaced all the small independent dairies is that it's really hard to get young people to get interested in having a small dairy farm, especially with all the regulations and things that are now in place for the dairy farmer. But if you want to be a commercial dairy farmer, it is very hard to do. And what they've done is they pretty well blocked the family farmer out of that anyway with the different milk contracts and, the, like I say, some of the laws and regulations that they've come up with. But also it takes a very special mindset for someone to operate a dairy because that means no vacations. That means no big family events anywhere. You just have to stay with your cows. And a lot of people think that farmers are greedy. I've never met any farmer that I considered greedy. They might work hard. They might have a lot of land. They might have a lot of machinery. They might have some very nice vehicles that they use, such as trucks and so forth, to haul their produce. But farmers earn everything they have. They work very hard. And the modern farmer, which I'm not a modern farmer, I'm one or two generations behind everybody, and that's where I want to stay, so I'm happy where I'm at. But the modern farmers put in a lot of hours. They have cabs on their tractors that are air-conditioned and heated, and they have stereos. So, so if they're out there on their tractor in the field all day long, they can stay out of the dirt and out of the bugs and out of the weather. And that really does help your productivity. But there is a price to pay for all of that because all of that costs money, and it costs extra fuel to run your air conditioning, and and the initial layout you have for your machinery is much, much higher. And so I'm not going to say the modern farmer works any less than the old-time farmer. They might work a little smarter than the old-time farmer did, and they definitely work in more comfort. But I want to focus on the smaller farms, the family farms, that are the backbone of all the farms in the world. And one of the things that I want to say right off the bat is that we're having farmers that are being displaced. 
and they're being displaced by urbanization. You have all these people that live in cities and towns, and they think they want to move to the country, so they all move to the country in a group and basically form another town out on the outskirts of the town that they just left. And so you might have a field that's just in the middle of nowhere, and then someone buys that and lots it out in 10-acre lots, and all of a sudden you have a house every 10 acres, and it gets to look like a small town. And these people that left town basically have left one town for another. They don't realize it, but that's what they've done. And that's crowding out a lot of small farms. And the states that allow corporations to come in and buy farms is really taking our farms out. It's really taking a lot of farmland away from the independent farmer. I know in some states that allow corporate farming, you can drive for 30 miles down a highway and you might see 10 or 15 houses, but they're old houses and they're not lived in. And eventually they get tore down as does the whole farmstead, the trees and all, because that whole 30 miles might be bought out by a huge conglomerate corporation. And anytime you have that much land and that much power into the hands of a few, well, then all of a sudden you can have some political problems come about with the ability of these corporations to control laws and regulations that will further hamper the small farmer. And also on the consumer end, they can affect some of the safety laws and the food. And there's way too much power in the corporate farming right now. And once the corporations own the land, it's just like the government. Once it owns the land, it's not available for you or me. It's just taken off the table. It's put into a whole different realm. And people don't understand that. They see a cornfield and they say, oh, it's a cornfield. Well, if it's a cornfield that's controlled by one of the big food conglomerates, that's one thing. If it's a cornfield owned and worked by a family farmer, it's a totally different situation. But I think the small family farmer's days are numbered. And one of the reasons it's numbered is because you got to go back to the banking system. It's all connected, folks. Agribanking really is agriculture. And almost every small farmer has to dance to the tune of their banker. That's just the way it is. It's been that way for a long time. And if a small farmer wants to go in and plant a crop but doesn't have the resources to buy the seed, well, they go to their ag bank and they talk to them about a loan. And if the farmer is planning on planting a non-GMO grain crop and the banker finds out that it's non-GMO, well, the banker may not loan the money because it's a well-established fact that Genetically modified crops produce more than the old-time open-pollinated. They just do. I think that's indisputable. But the old-time open-pollinated grain crops are actually real. They're not altered. Those seeds still have the hand of God on those seeds, so to speak, instead of the hand of man that's genetically altering the same type of a seed. And one of the things that people may not realize is that these genetically altered plants have to have specialized chemicals, specialized weed control and 
specialized fertilizer. And if you don't use what the company has made specifically for that genetically altered crop, the crop can die. It definitely will not prosper. And so when you plant those seeds, you're getting into a system. Everything has to be done within the framework of how those seeds were developed. Whereas the open pollinated, you can fertilize with almost anything from barnyard manure on up to commercial fertilizers. And you're not trapped into a system. What I'm trying to connect here is that the small farmers almost have to do exactly what the corporate farms are doing. The corporate farms are buying thousands of acres worldwide. They're having great success with some of the genetically altered crops as far as yield. And then to compete, the smaller farmer has to basically do the same thing and get into that same system. And so ultimately, the small farmer is paying the big corporations for the same fertilizer and the same chemicals and so forth and so on. And so even if the corporations don't own the land that the small family farmer is operating, they still get a cut. They, they still make a profit off of him because that farmer now has to buy that system. And so everything is very much connected between the banking system, big agriculture, and farms. It's totally intertwined to where there's no way you're going to untangle it. But I ask the question, does the world need farms and farmers? Well, that's obvious if you like to eat, of course. But the bigger question is, what type of farms? What kind of farmers are we going to support? And then you have politicians that are buying farm ground so they could pass farm bills that will put money in their pockets. And then you have people like Bill Gates that happens to own the most farm ground of anyone in the United States. And also, the Ukraine war is breaking almost all the farmers. And guess who's going in and snatching up the land in Ukraine? Well, you guessed it, the big corporations that are snatching the land everywhere. So we do have a giant problem of we're having our food source not being stolen. That's way too strong of a word, but it's being altered out from under our feet. And just like the small dairies who have basically been run out of business, all of the small farms are going to follow suit. And they're going to be run out of business. And what does that mean to you, the consumer? Well, ultimately, it means an inferior product. Because the genetically altered organisms is what GMO stands for. They are inferior. They might be superior in yield, but they are inferior in almost every other way imaginable. Now, I know that some farmers that use GMO might have a difference of opinion, but I do know that almost all of the countries that have studied the effects of the GMO food on their population and on their farm animals have outlawed GMO food. And one of the reasons that there's so much money going to Ukraine is that Ukraine is going to become a huge GMO country if Russia is defeated because Russia and several other countries have banned GMO seeds. They just banned them. They will not allow them. And a lot of countries will not import GMO products at all. And the reason is the incidence of cancer and other things seem to be rising 
due to the use of some of the GMO products. And it's almost impossible to stay away from GMO products. They're everywhere. They're in everything. About the only way you can avoid it is to grow your own food or know someone that does grow food that grows it naturally. And I'm not necessarily talking growing it organic. I'm talking about just using the basic seed that is not genetically altered. I really don't know how we're going to save the American family farmer. I really don't. Except that if you are a family farmer, just keep doing what you're doing and stick to your guns and manage your operation as independent as you can. Now, my operation is different than most people's. I don't have a bank. I don't use a banker. And therefore, I do without. If I don't have money to do something, I simply don't do it. And if it's something that should be done, well, maybe next year. I know that's not a very good way to operate. You're supposed to have everything done at the time it's supposed to be done. Me, I get it done as I can afford it. And it's taken me a lot longer to build my operation because I could have probably built the same thing in a year or two that's taken me 20. But I can look out over my machinery and look out over my cattle and look out over everything and say this is paid for. And since it's paid for, I have an awful lot of options available to me to do what I want to do. And I wouldn't trade the freedom I have for anything. But I think my situation is fairly unique. It seems like that our cropland is under assault from the skies. I'm going to be switching topics and kind of putting them together here for a minute or two. Yesterday when I woke up, I looked up into the sky and the sky was covered with X's. Chemtrails, just X's as far as you could see. And what would have been a beautiful blue sky day turned into a very murky, semi-cloudy type of day. Not with real clouds, but with those clouds that the chemtrails make. And I saw these chemtrails start breaking up and coming down towards the ground. And there must have been over a hundred jets that flew over yesterday, all of them spraying chemicals. And I asked myself, how can they find so many evil people to do this horrible thing? Well, that's easy. The Bible says that only a remnant is going to be saved in the last days, and that means the multitudes are not going to be saved. And Satan has his hand on so many people in so many situations that finding people to do evil deeds is actually probably pretty easy to do. But as these chemicals fall to the ground, they are altering the ground. They're putting different chemicals and all sorts of things into the topsoil. Now what I'm having trouble trying to figure out is they seem to be doing that to harm the plants and the animals and also the soil itself, which would also mean they would be harming the corporate farms as well. And you'd think that the big corporations of the world that own millions of acres of farm ground would have some power to stop this, so that does have me perplexed. But getting back to the materials that are hitting the ground, certain types of trees are dying, a lot of insects are dying. I've talked about it on other shows, about the small animals dying. And also we're being sprayed like insects. And yesterday I very much felt like an insect. Because all day long, just plane after plane, just flying over and dumping the toxins. 
There are people that say they're trying to blot out the sun. How does that help farmers? How does that help anyone? Then you have the people that several years ago said that we have greenhouse gases that are holding in the heat. Well, then they're spraying stuff up there that is a greenhouse gas. And I thought my refrigerator was ruining the planet. And then I look up and see this jet that they spray more chemicals in a millisecond than a hundred refrigerators if you broke into their Freon tank. So we're being told one thing and we see other things happening and it's all messed up. The whole thing is messed up. But I received a letter that is from a listener to my show that also listens to Truth to Ponder. And I want to just read one part of this letter to you. And this will kind of sum up how a farmer is. Now, this is a couple in Missouri that are building a pond. And they're both retired. But the lady of the house has not been in the house. She's been out building a dam for a pond. And I'm going to read the letter starting here. It's been the summer of the pond here, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I'm still plugging away at shoring up the dam, back with a sturdy rock wall that's more than a hundred feet long and now nearly over my head in places. It amounts to tens of thousands of rocks, individually placed and stacked like bricks, all by one old lady. Think about that. She has a farm background. She knows how to work. But can you imagine stacking that many rocks and building a dam by hand? That's the spirit of the American farmer. That's the spirit that we all need to have. And my hat's off to her for working that hard and accomplishing her goal. And you might be wondering, why am I talking about farms? Why am I bringing this up? Well, it's all part of the disintegration that we're seeing of society. We think of the inner cities, of how they're being tore apart and ruined. Well, the rural areas of this country and of the world, they're also being torn apart, but in a different way. Have you ever wondered why so many Mexicans started crossing the border back in the 1990s? Why it became epidemic of people crossing the border? Well, I talked to several Mexican farmers that told me that their whole valley that they were farming was bought out by the big American corporations. And the family farmers in Mexico that were still holding on decided to sell direct to the public as far as to make a living. And so they were establishing farmers markets and things like that so they could sell their crops. The corporations wanted more family farmers out. And so what they did was they took all of their seconds, all of the produce that likely wouldn't have been bought by the American consumer, and they would flood these farmers' markets with inferior products, but they would charge almost nothing for them. And so you had a farmer that might be selling melons that were beautiful, but a hundred feet away, you'd have the corporate truck that were selling maybe misshapen and smaller melons, but were selling them at half the price or a quarter of the price that the Mexican farmer wanted for his melons. And so what happened is that 
all the people at the farmer's markets were waiting for the corporate trucks to buy all the cheap produce. And so that cut off the last avenue of the Mexican family farmer. And so you had a lot of people without a job. And so they crossed the border looking for a job in the United States. And so some of the problem at the border was caused by the corporations going in and snatching up Mexican farmland. So we do have a huge problem here that's brewing. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going to end, except if the corporations control all the land and all the food and all the oil and all the medicine and they control government, where does that leave you? Not in a very strong place, that's for sure. And what can you do to support your local farmers? That's an even tougher question. But we do need to keep our family farmers in your prayers, and we do need to support them in any way that we can dream up to support them. Because this whole way of life that we have, that we call the American dream, is under assault no matter what profession you're in. But we have family farms that date back generation after generation that are now in jeopardy, all because of the marriage of government and corporation, the oligarchs, the people like Bill Gates buying farm ground, unfair competition. And a brief example of that is it's hard to buy a small or medium-sized tractor that is strong enough to do what you need it to do on a farm. So most farmers have to buy the larger, more expensive tractors that is capable of doing the work that needs to be done. Your only other alternative is to buy older equipment, like I do. But a lot of the older equipment's no longer supported, so you have to buy used parts or make your own. And there are a lot of farmers out there that are really handy with a torch and a welder and they're able to make whatever part they need. But the world's corporations are gearing up for no family farms, have it all be corporate farms. But it seems that the big corporations of the world kind of stick together. In selling a large corporation a hundred tractors over selling one farmer a small tractor, well, of course, they're going to sell the 100 tractors, and that's going to be where their focus is going to be, is taking care of that customer. And I've noticed lots of things are disappearing off the shelves of the farm stores. Things that used to be plentiful are now no longer made. And so things are being phased out. We're living in a very transitional time. Artificial intelligence and all these things that are coming in technologically to displace people. And it seems that the farms are one of their first targets. Once they get all the fields mapped out with the GPS, then it would be real easy to program tractors to automatically go out and work those fields. So big changes are coming, folks. But yes, we do need the farms and we need the farmers. We need to pray for them and support them. And speaking of support... I would appreciate it if you would consider supporting the Ministry of Truth to Ponder with a donation. It's very easy to do. Just go to the website, which is truth2ponder.com. Click on the support tab and then follow the instructions. Or you can send a check or money order. And you would write the check out to Ancient Word Radio, 
you would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chill Howie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Sea of Life and the Sea of Death coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving some very special gifts free in a moment. In Israel, there's the Sea of Life and the Sea of Death. The Sea of Life is the Galilee. It's alive. And then there's a Sea of Death, the Dead Sea. It's dead. Sea of Life, Galilee is always pouring out water. It's always giving water. The Sea of Death, Dead Sea, only takes in water, it receives water, but it doesn't give anything. It's dead. The one who gives is alive. That's what it teaches us, the mystery of these seas. The one who only gets but doesn't give is dead. And the Galilee is always flowing into the Dead Sea. The Sea of Life is always flowing into the Sea of Death. So the one that's always giving is always giving to the one that's not giving. How can that be? Even though the water stop at the Dead Sea, the Galilee keeps flowing. The water in the Dead Sea evaporates. The Galilee keeps flowing. So even though the Dead Sea is dead, doesn't give anything, the Galilee doesn't stop flowing because, because it has to. It has to keep flowing because that's what it is. So with the heart of life, the heart of life, it, it, you're not limited by people who don't give you love or people who are selfish. You don't get affected by that. You just keep giving and loving and blessing because you're a personal life. The more you give, the more alive you become. The more you give, the more alive you feel. And it doesn't matter about whether the people give back to you or not. You love those who don't love you back. You bless those who don't bless you. You love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute. You keep flowing. And like the galley, you don't let their lack of love stop you from flowing in God's blessing. Don't let the evil stop you. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil by good. Keep going. Keep loving. Keep Keep flowing, keep blessing, keep loving and giving because God called you to be like the Galilee, ever flowing, the sea of life and not like the sea of death. Want more? Ask for the waters of Zion. Fascinating stuff. Now, listen, how'd you like to receive something so awesome it's been hidden for 2,000 years? Well, the awesome Mystery of the Temple doors on CD and Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Yeshua, Jesus, real Hebrew name, and you dial it. To receive your free gifts, just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. It's 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation. Israel. God promises, I will bless the one who blesses Israel. And all the unreached peoples of the world, this is the most incredible way through shortwave radio you can ever impact the world for the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem, peace be to my friend in Messiah, Adon HaGalil, the Lord of the Galilee. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Welcome back to the second half of Truth to Ponder. This is Jim Calhoun sitting in for Bob Bierman today. And Bob will be back with another great edition of Truth to Ponder tomorrow. Well, as I set up my topics for this show, the world was in chaos. But but after I recorded the show, we had everything happen over in Israel and in the Gaza Strip. 
that I decided that what I would do is do an insert and start the second half of the show, which was recorded about a day after I recorded the first part of the show, because I just had to address what's going on in Israel as far as the bombing of the hospital and who knows exactly what's going on. It's called the fog of war, which keeps everything in chaos, keeps everything in mystery. And I don't want to just point fingers and say, yes, this side or that side is guilty. Because one side will tell you that the other was to blame. And that's just an endless game that is always played in the Middle East, the blame game. But I want to talk about the consequences. It doesn't matter really what the truth is. It's what the people believe. And since the mosque or the shrine in Iran started flying the black flag of war, and that stands for a call to arms for everyone of the Islamic faith to go to war. And from the videos that I've seen, things got out of hand almost immediately. And as you listen to me talking about three topics that are I would say real milquetoast compared to what's going on in the world events as far as the wars are concerned. But I do want to say here before I make my comments that we have to stay grounded and we can't just keep our entire life just focused on war. That's what they want us to do and that's how you get out of balance. And so I'm really happy that today's three topics really don't have anything to do with what's going on in the Middle East. But since it was so atrocious, what's happening over there, I thought I had better at least comment on it. I don't have my head in the sand. I'm watching very closely what's happening over there and listening to all the sources that I have. And none of it's good. And I think that the people throughout the world that are Islamic are going to get involved in one way or another. And it's been said that there are dozens, if not hundreds, of sleeper cells that have crossed our southern border. And as I listen to other shows talk about this whole mess, I just can't help but think that this is coming to our soil. I think any war with Russia is going to be fought here. And now it looks like the Mideast War is going to come to our shores. And I have to say here that our illegitimate president that is going to go over and show his solidarity with Israel right after this horrific bombing of a hospital, the timing could not be worse. You might say, well, what the people in the Gaza Strip did last week was more atrocious and it's ugly over there. I get that. Both sides are very guilty of being ugly. But after this hospital was hit, whether it was used by Hamas or not as a military base, is immaterial. The fact remains that we have multitudes of people that follow the Islamic faith that do believe that the United States and Israel are responsible, and they're going to act on that. And what I see 
and I hope I'm wrong, but what I see is that if the Islamic people get the upper hand against Israel, then Israel is going to cease to exist, literally. I think there's going to be a bloodletting over there like we've never seen, not in modern times. We have a lot of fanatic Muslims that are really ready to draw every drop of blood out of every Jewish person on the planet. And given a chance, they just might do that. And I think that the world is out of balance, horrible. And I think we have an aging empire, which is the United States, that is resting on its laurels and thinking that they can just go in and do what they've always done. But you might laugh at the Turkish Navy. You might laugh at Iran's Navy. You might laugh at all of the Mideastern countries as they try to put together navies. But if you look at Turkey's Navy, it is modern. It's not very big, but it's very modern. And also the Iranian Navy is nothing to be laughed at. Now, if you compare that to the United States Navy, of course, they pale in comparison, but they still are lethal. And we have a limited amount of ships that are in the Mediterranean. And I'm not saying there's going to be an old-fashioned naval war, but the United States is not going to be able to move as freely as they think they can. I really think this time things are different. I think that all of these countries with their oil and other riches that they have been able to sell around the world, their goods that have made them rich, they've invested in weapon systems. And let's not forget all of the weapons we sent to Ukraine, that those weapons went on the black market and they ended up in the hands of Hamas and other groups in the Middle East. And I have a feeling that we, as in the West, are going to be attacked with our own weapons that we shipped over to Ukraine. This whole thing is an absolute mess. And I don't know what we're going to do about it, but we need to pray about it. We need to stay very vigilant because we're in a lot of trouble. As I go through my other topics today, it all points out to really one outcome, and that's disaster. Everywhere you look is chaos and disaster and carnage. And I don't think we're into the tribulation, but I definitely think we're heading into the end times. I think we're seeing prophecies fulfilled. I think that we need to really get our lives in order. We need to be prayer warriors. We need to stay vigilant. And we need to keep preparing. Never forget where your strength comes from. Never forget that you're a child of God. But you have to stay vigilant. And also, you're going to have to stay calm and be very thoughtful. Everything you see can be doctored. Everything you hear can be a lie. And that's coming from everybody. And so just be careful and live your life the best you can. Now I'm going to switch back to my three topics that I base the show on. Well, I had three topics. I went a little long on my first topic. But the second topic I want to talk about, and I kind of touched on it, was the damage that's coming from the skies. 
We really have a problem here, folks. It's huge. They're not even trying to hide it anymore with these chemtrails. And they send out basically squadrons of airplanes that are outfitted with big tanks. They're not passenger planes that just happen to have a few chemicals mixed into their fuel tank or have another chemical tank in the back. It's great big freight haulers that are specifically designed to spray chemtrails. They hold thousands of gallons of chemical, and they fly at different altitudes, and they are altering our weather. They're altering our environment. People that say that climate change is man-made, but yet deny that chemtrails are what's doing it, are disingenuous. That would be a polite way to say it. But we have thousands of airplanes flying worldwide that are spraying all sorts of chemicals into the air. And of course, we breathe those chemicals, and we eat those chemicals. We're just surrounded by what they're spraying. And we wonder why cancer is getting more prevalent. We wonder why autism is rampant. We wonder why respiratory disease is on the rise. We wonder why there's an increase of road rage, and other incidents of violence. These chemicals they're spraying are altering not only our bodies, but our minds. We have a huge increase of Alzheimer's, and one of the culprits that I've heard that is helpful in causing Alzheimer's is aluminum, and one of the things they're spraying that we're breathing in every day is aluminum. There are people that are so sensitive to the chemtrails that they can tell what they sprayed by the symptoms they have that day. But yet you still have people out there that say that it's a conspiracy theory. When it's not, it very much is a conspiracy, but it isn't a theory. You have countries that are sponsoring spraying of their countries, like Spain. And you have people like Bill Gates that openly admit that they're funding this spraying. And also Bill Gates said that he wanted to blot out the sun. And to tie him in with the first part of the show, he is the largest owner of farm ground in the United States. It's all connected, folks. Everything you see, hear, read, it's all connected. That's why I stress on this program and in my program that you have to be connected as well. You need to be connected with your Heavenly Father. We have so many things working against us in this world that are connected. It's time that we were connected with fellow believers, connected with our Heavenly Father, 100%. No partial connection. No Sunday morning only type of connection. I'm talking about a very real experience that you feel every day, the connection that you have with your Heavenly Father. That is what we need to have. We need to have connections of our own. We need to be connected in good ways. And what I've been talking about this show are things that are connected in bad ways. And there's a reason why we have all of these things happening at this time. And, and things cannot be sustained as they are for very long. I do think that what's happening is very biblical I think we're seeing prophecies that are being fulfilled right in front of our eyes. And it makes me sad to know that just like Lot's wife, 
we have a lot of people that are going to look back or they're going to covet this world. And it seems to me that more and more on a daily basis, I put more emphasis on the kingdom of God than I do on this earthly plane. The Bible clearly tells you where your treasures are, where you store your treasures, and it's not here. Things here are very fleeting, very temporary. And I do want to mention this. I was going to mention this last show, and I forgot about it. And it's kind of a rabbit trail, kind of a super rabbit trail, actually. But it kind of ties in with saving your money here and putting your treasures here. I went to withdraw some money from the bank because I have an account that doesn't have any checking. It's a savings account, I guess is what I should say. And so I was going to withdraw some money to pay property taxes. And the property taxes were right at $5,000, just a little more than 5000 And that's what I wanted to withdraw. And the look on the face of the teller told me everything. I knew they didn't have the money. And this is an agricultural bank, and people in ag deal with hundreds of thousands of dollars on a daily basis. And so I don't know how much money goes in and out of this bank, but... Rest assured, it's quite a few. It's a lot of money. Well, the teller said, well, I have to talk to my manager. Well, I knew right then that things were not going to happen, that I wasn't going to get the money. She went to the bank manager. They went back into the vault, and they were back there for about five minutes. And I could tell they were stalling. They were trying to figure out what they were going to tell me. And so I got the attention of another clerk and said, would you go get them out of the vault? I want to talk to them. Well, they came out, and I said, how about just a cashier's check? They said, oh, that would be perfect. Let's do that. And so they fixed me up with a cashier's check off of my savings account, which did work out. And I probably should have suggested that in the first place. But to find out that my local bank could not even come up with $5,000 cash really gives a anecdotal evidence, anyway, of what I've been hearing, that the banks are strapped for cash and all the banks are in trouble, and that we need to get our money out of banks if we're going to have any money at all, that the banks are going to fail. Now, my little bank just might have had a shortage that day. I don't know. But I've been reading from different people that the banks are in bad trouble, and you should incrementally get your money out of the bank as fast as you can. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you my experience of trying to get that out of the bank, and they didn't have the money. So I just offer that as information for you to do what you want to do. Now, getting back to the chemicals they're spraying, it's hard to get anyone to admit that that's happening, even though there are videos and press conferences and all over the Internet that people are admitting that they are spraying us with these different chemicals. And you can't get a politician to do anything about it. One of the reasons is I think they're all in on it. That's where I say everything's connected. I think everything that is happening is happening for a reason. And the people that we have in place in government worldwide are there for a reason. And they are helping facilitate the destruction we're seeing. And so you don't go to the fox and ask the fox to guard the hens. And going to the government to try to get them to stop the chemtrails is, I think, ridiculous because, 
like I said, the government of Spain, the government itself is actually sponsoring and helping pay for some chemtrails that are sprayed over their country. And so government isn't the answer here. A change of heart is. And I think we need to pray that there's a huge change of heart of these evil people that are destroying the planet. But as I look up and see this war that's waged against us every day, it's very disheartening. I just have to shake my head and look the other way and say, I hope someone does something about it. And I think that we need to start working on some solutions. I think we all need to at least acknowledge what's going on, and then we can work on a way to get this stopped. Well, the last thing I wanted to talk about today is just as important as the other two, so I didn't go in order of importance. But the listener that sent me the nice letter that she built this dam by hand sent me a copy of a PBS magazine that was recommended reading. Now, this comes from the government. The public broadcasting system is funded by you and me, the taxpayer, and it's run by the government. And so the recommendations that were printed in this magazine have to have had the approval of the government. There again, you don't go to the fox to ask the fox to guard the hen house. And so going to the government and complaining about things that are happening is worthless. It's not going to do any good. You're going to have to talk to your children and your grandchildren, and the ultimate answer is homeschool. If you can't homeschool, well, change your situation where you can. That's the ultimate solution to this. But she sent a list of all of these different books that are basically recommended by our government since it was printed in the PBS magazine. But the top books all push transgenderism. They push homosexuality. And I'm not talking about innuendos. I'm talking about the main topic of the book. The books are pushing using the right pronouns. The books are using characters that have superpowers because they have multiple genders. They have books that are featuring children that can turn into any animal they want to turn into. There's an awful lot of demonism in these books. And there's an obvious agenda to push our young children into this homosexual transgender movement. And what good is going to come of that? None. Not at all. It's all connected. It's all part of depopulating the earth. And it's also part of basically taking our young upcoming generation that that's going to be our future. And they're just like carpet bombing that whole generation with garbage. One thing that Satan does, and he's been doing ever since the beginning of time, is he plays the long game. And our adversaries, the Satanists, the people that are wanting to destroy us, the globalists, they are also good at playing the long game. And they don't care if it takes 20, 25 years. That's all part of their plan. If they could get enough of the young generation that's upcoming to get them absolutely insane or have them so messed up mentally that they have no clue who or what they are, well, they're not only easier to control, but they are thinking they can hopefully have a majority of people that think twisted. So they're trying to twist our generation 
to where it breaks. I would have to say that the baby boomers were a twisted generation. Maybe not twisted all the way, but they were twisted. I think the Gen Xers were twisted a little bit more, and the millennials were twisted quite a bit more. But I think our young children now, I think, are being carpet bombed. I think the twisting days are over. And so, therefore, we have all these horrible books that are in our libraries, that are in our schools, and now you have PBS that's actively promoting all sorts of books that are aimed at hurting your children, hurting them mentally and spiritually. And on Truth to Ponder on Monday, Bob Behrman played a clip from a fourth grade teacher that was just horrendous. And she was rewarding any child that went into this little secret closet that came out and said they were transgender or homosexual. But any kid that came out and said they were straight, well, of course, that made her upset and she wouldn't give them a cupcake. We're talking fourth graders. So if you came out of this closet and said you were transgender, she gave you a cupcake. If you came out of the closet and said you were straight, well, teacher was mad at you. And this monster is actually teaching in public schools. And we have all these agendas that are going on. And I really do feel this. And I'm going to tie everything together, all three topics. The disappearance and the hardships of the family farm that's being thrown at the family farms by government and by corporation and the oligarchs and all of the people that want to control the food of the world and you have the people that are bombarding us like insects, and you have people that are corrupting our children. All those problems have something in common. Well, they have many things in common, the main thing, Satan. But you and me, we can't do anything about it. And if we get the numbers to do something about it, well, then we're going to be banned, or we're going to be outlawed. And so the powers that be pretty much have the game won as far as they're concerned, as far as us not being able to do anything about it. But there is something we can do about it. Even though they think they have everything all sewed up, we can support one another. We can think long game ourselves, but we have to start from scratch. The society that we built or helped build has been damaged. It's been damaged to where I don't think it can be repaired. But that doesn't mean that we can't make a new society. That doesn't mean that we can't bolster. That doesn't mean that we can't save parts of the society and rebuild. But rebuild in a way that is God-centered. Rebuild in a way that we respect and love one another. Many years ago, mankind started heading down this very dark path, and mankind has always tended to go down the dark paths, and that is something that's happened since mankind has been created. But there has to be a way that we can skirt around all of these oligarchs and their corporations and all the things they're doing. Going back to the family farms, if you live in a community that has small family farms, well, go out and find the ones that will sell produce right out of their field. Maybe they have a small truck farm, or maybe they have a large garden. It's time to put our money where our mouth is, and it's time that our actions match our words.
If we want to save society in any way, shape, or form, then we have to be the ones that do it. So we have to support those that we think have value. There's a lot out there to support, but you have to seek it out. And so while I don't think we're going to change the school system, I think that it's corrupt and I think it's totally needs to be ash-canned, we can train up a child in the way that they should go. We can homeschool. We can support those who do homeschool. We can do our part to have our children educated without those children ever stepping foot into a public classroom. And so I would suggest that you seek a personal relationship with your Creator and involve your Creator in all your decisions. And that also includes your decisions of who you are going to associate with and worship with. I think there are ways through these landmines that the society has put in front of us, but we're going to have to take it slow, and we're going to have to put our brain in gear. I guess the old saying is, if there's a will, there's a way. And God will show us the way. We just have to listen, and we have to be obedient. Well, I hope the right ears heard the show today. I do know we have a lot of problems that we have to solve, but we're not going to solve them by just complaining about them. We're going to have to start doing things and acting on our feelings. And I think supporting your local community and homeschooling and shopping with your hometown, home-owned businesses is a great start. I do appreciate Bob Bierman allowing me to speak to his great audience, and I truly thank you for listening. I would ask that you consider donating to Truth to Ponder. Truth to Ponder is growing, and Bob Bierman has an awful lot on his plate, and having your support would be so appreciated. It's easy to do. Just go to the website, which is truth2ponder.com. Click on the support tab and then follow instructions. Or if you want to send in a contribution by mail, you can send a check or money order. You'd write the check out to Ancient Word Radio. You would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chill Howie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, everyone, stay strong. Seek out those that you wish to support and support them. Stay vigilant. Keep your powder dry. And most important of all, replace fear with faith. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.